0: Well, good evening. Welcome to The Point. Glad that you are here tonight. I hope you're glad you're here tonight. Uh, My name is Wade. I'm the pastor here, and I lead a Bible study on Wednesday nights in addition to all the other things that happen under our roofs on uh, Wednesdays. We have preschool ministry and children's ministry and student ministry and our Worship ministry gets ready for Sunday. So, we have a lot of things that happen. We have women's ministry, a Bible study is going on right now. So, we've got all kinds of things happening on our campus. And uh, it's my joy to lead this study week by week. And we've just been walking through the book of Psalms, chapter by chapter. And we've made it to Psalm 70. So, you can go ahead and open your Bible there. Who needs a handout? Does anyone not have a handout uh, from Psalm 70? Anyone need a handout? All right, Tommy's got some there in the back. We're gonna have a good time tonight. You're gonna be glad you came tonight. You are. We're gonna have a great time studying uh, this psalm. It's it's wonderful. It really is. Uh, So we're glad that you are um, here. A lot's going on. Been a busy week. Of course, we want to uh, pray for what's going on in Houston and uh, Louisiana, even parts of Mississippi, uh, are being watched carefully. Uh, a lot of questions. How can our church be involved? Uh, a couple of things I want to say to you about that. First of all, you're already involved through your faithful giving. Um, part of your giving goes into what we call the cooperative program. And Southern Baptist churches cooperate together. They put their money into this, this uh, one big fund that's distributed among different entities. And a portion of that cooperative program goes to the North American Mission Board, which is tasked with leading, reaching North America for Christ, and they have as part of their ministry a disaster relief uh, task force. And Southern Baptists, listen to this, this would surprise you, you may not know this, Southern Baptists have the third largest disaster relief organization in the nation. And so through your giving, uh, just through the church, uh, you are part of that. You're helping support that ministry, people getting showers and meals uh, and supplies we have State Disaster Relief. Uh, Mississippi Baptist Convention has a State Disaster Relief. Jim Hanks, a member of our church, is really involved in that, and they're uh, monitoring things closely, and they're looking for opportunities to go and, and you know, do some of the, uh, the uh, restoration-type work, uh, construction-type work, and, or just helping people clean up, or whatever needs to be done. Uh, so if you've got questions about that, see Jim Hanks. will give you the information there. Um, and so those things are happening, even though you may not wear. They're happening. They, they are happening, uh, and uh, you should be you should be grateful and proud that Southern Baptists are regularly the first folks there, or one of the first folks there on the scene, uh, showing and sharing the love of Christ. And so you're a part of that. I just want you to know that if you watch on TV, you see the yellow hats, the other yellow, yellow hat Southern Baptists feeding folks. That, 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 that's you're helping to support that ministry. Also, we had a group that. Uh, is going down there, and they needed some water. We put the word out, and we got bottled water. I mean, lots of bottled water really, really quickly. Had a lot of folks come and help load it up. And, and so just little things like that, uh, you're helping. If, if you want to give something financially, you say, I just need to do something. I want to give something financially. We're directing people to the North American Mission Board, uh, namb.net. N-A-M-B, that's North American Mission Board, net. And you can go to that website, and right there on the front page, there's information about uh, the, the hurricane uh, relief. And you can click on there, and there's a mechanism uh, through the website where you can give. If you want to give to that website, uh, you're welcome to do that. And that'll be um, designated directly to disaster relief related to uh, this, this, this hurricane. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's been uh, just eye-opening. Uh, just the the, the 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 catastrophic damage. You've seen the pictures, like I have. It's just some are just almost unbelievable. It's like a it's like a movie when you see them. I saw a, a picture today. You probably saw it went viral, but it was of nursing home residents. you see this picture? And they're sitting there and they're waist deep in water. They, and I did read they've been rescued. So praise the Lord for that. Um, but uh, just to see those folks can't go anywhere and waste deep in water. And Houston's a huge city and the surrounding area just, you know, millions of people. And to think about the logistics of that. So pray, you know, one thing I want you to be aware of is to pray. Um, pray um, for the leadership there that are mobilizing resources, uh, first responders. The sheriff's here, he can tell you what a task that is in a crisis like that. Um, so pray for um, the first responders and, and, and their safety. Um, and and just uh, wisdom in that. I, I'm told that some of the teams have gone in to try to help rescue. They had to get rescued. That's how that's how perilous it is down there. And and so pray that um, God would would line up the resources and, and provide the resources to to keep uh, the maximum number of people safe. We want to pray for minimal rain and, and flooding in those areas that are affected in, in the coming days. That the waters will recede and and then it's going to be a massive. Rebuilding effort. Uh, I mean, think Katrina. Uh, there's still feeling the effects of Katrina in New Orleans, and and the effects of this hurricane in in uh, Houston and surrounding areas is going to be felt for a long time. So it's going to be a, a massive rebuilding effort. So I tell you all of this to say, pray. We're watching things uh, and and looking for ways we can help. And so we figure out some more ways that we can help. We'll let you know, uh, and uh, and we'll try to mobilize uh, folks as best we can to to just. To be a little uh, part of the, um, the the help there, that area, but it's uh, it's it's catastrophic, and uh, we we need to um, pray. So that's that's going on. That's uh, been happening this week. I know we're getting a lot of rain here uh, uh, tomorrow. I think is supposed to be a lot of uh, torrential downpours and weather. So uh, just get ready for that. But um, we uh, certainly want to pray up. Uh, I read today, um, this is Baptist churches. It was a Baptist news article I was reading. Uh, they know that there are over 700 Baptist churches have been flooded in that area. 700 plus flooded out uh, church buildings. And so uh, there's a lot of need down there. There's a lot of need. So we want to be uh, ready and willing, able to, uh, to help out any way that we can. So... Let's pray together, and then we will jump into the 70th Psalm and see what the Lord has to say to us. Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. We're grateful, Lord, for your goodness and grace. We're we're grateful, Lord, for your mercy. We're grateful, Lord, for your love. We're grateful, Lord, that you are uh, enthroned above the heavens. Uh, Lord, you are in control. You are sovereign. And uh, God, we come to you because we need you, and we always need you, but Lord... Catastrophe and crisis can be a, uh, Lord, a stark reminder of how much we need you. And uh, God, we just come to you on behalf of the people in the affected areas from this hurricane. Uh, God, I, I do pray that you would give the leadership there, uh, the, the state and local officials, Lord, great wisdom to manage and deploy um, people resources and financial resources and um, recovery resources, Lord, disaster relief resources, uh, things as, as basic to life as, as water. God, would you just give them great wisdom to uh, be able to um, help people uh, be safe and get back on their feet. Uh, well, we pray for rescue efforts that are still ongoing. God, keep those first responders safe, Lord, and help them to, to have the strength and um, power they need, Lord, to keep on keeping on in in the face of exhaustion. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that that many lives would continue to be saved as a result of of this. And God, we pray that the um, the, the rain would would cease, Lord, and that the the floodwaters would recede. And you would just allow uh, the residents, the people, the government, Lord, to, to begin that that uh, long rebuilding process. Uh, God, help us to be aware of how we can help. we're grateful for those that are on the front lines uh, that are helping and a part of that. And we just pray your blessings upon them. Uh, God, we pray you would just marshal the resources needed to come alongside, Lord, cities and towns and uh, church buildings and all the folks that have needs, God. I pray that you would just provide in in mighty, mighty ways. And God, I pray that you would use this for good. Um, Lord, I pray that you would... Use this to draw people to Yourself, um, Lord, that, that people would see their great need for You through this scary natural disaster, and we'll thank You, Lord, and praise You for that grace. Uh, Lord, I pray tonight as we study, You would give us just great insight into Your Word and that You would stir our hearts as we study Your Word. We're grateful, Lord, for Your presence here, and uh, we lift this time up to You in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look with me in Psalm 70. Psalm 70, we are journeying through the psalms, basically taking one psalm per week and uh, and studying. This psalm is not a very long psalm. Uh, Some of it may sound familiar to you if you are astute, uh, because this psalm is repeated almost verbatim, from the last part of Psalm 40, specific, specifically verses 13 through 17, Psalm 40 has these same words, and, uh, and and so just be aware of that. And since most of you don't remember my sermon from Psalm 40, I'm just going to preach it again. All right. Uh, so, uh, Psalm 70. Psalm 70. The Bible says, To the choir master of David for the memorial offering. So this was written by David. It was written to be sung at a time of offering. It was written to be used in corporate worship. And David writes, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, Aha! Aha! May all who seek You rejoice and be glad in You. May those who love Your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. Hasten to help me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. The Psalms are fascinating. They are collections of songs, hymns, that were used in the corporate worship of the Jews. And they are written by different authors. Many of them were written by David, but they deal with different circumstances. And there is a common theme that's woven throughout the book of Psalms. And if you had to say what that theme is, I think Dr. Easley says it well. He writes, God, the true and glorious King, is worthy of all praise and prayer, thanksgiving and confidence, whatever the occasion in personal or community life. And so the Psalms remind us over and over again that no matter what circumstances you are encountering in life, God is worthy of your trust, He's worthy of your confidence, and He's worthy of your praise. And we see that over and over and over again. John Piper writes this, The Psalms are songs, they are poems, they are written to awaken and express and shape the emotional life of God's people. Poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. And I believe one of the reasons that people love the Psalms... If you tell people to list their favorite books of the Bible, most people within their top five will probably say Psalms. And the reason that people love the Psalms is because we resonate with the emotions. We we resonate with what we see happening in people's lives: the the highs and the lows, the joy and the pain, the anger, the bewilderment, the the confusion, the anxiety, the the fear, the the the, the mountaintops. I mean, you, you see see it all here in the psalms so people connect with those and that's why they are so dearly loved in psalm 70 i've titled this is the response of the rescued how should rescued people respond and you don't have to uh, look very far to get an answer to this question just look at the people who are rescued in houston uh the joy uh People, they're just glad to be alive. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not that concerned with material things. They're just, hey, I'm alive. I'm glad to be alive. Uh, I saw this ABC News reporter. He was at the edge of a flooded area, and this man was walking out of it with his son. And the, uh, the reporter put a microphone in his face and, and said, tell me about what happened. And he said, well, we lost our house. We lost everything, lost it all. And the man said, God is good. And the reporter said, so you lost everything and you're saying, you're saying that? And he said, yes, God is good. And, and, and he was just so um, jubilant uh, to, be, to be safe with his son and also to realize that God was in control of it all. And this reporter just didn't get that. He didn't understand how someone could say God is good in the face of that kind of tragedy. That's an entirely different sermon. But, but when you see people uh, rescued... There, there's a joy there uh, that comes from knowing you are in harm's way, but then you are rescued and you are safe. And we see this in Psalm 70. Um, and and I, I've divided this psalm up into two parts. The first is this. Here's how you pray in desperate times. There, there is information here to, to remind us how to pray when we find ourselves in desperate situations. And number two, here's how you respond when God comes through. Because David is pl- praying for rescue. He says there in verse one, make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. We don't know exactly what portion of David's life this deals with, but again, almost every portion of his life, he was uh, fighting or running from enemies. And, and so he's constantly needing to call out to God. And and so in the midst of whatever hardship he's going through, he's asking God for deliverance. And deliverance specifically from enemies that wanted to harm him. He says in verse 3, they're saying, uh, uh, let them turn their back in shame because they say, aha, aha. In other words, his enemies are saying, we got you now, David. We got you. And so he's saying, would you come against them, Lord, and and put my enemies to Shame, And so he's dealing with a desperate situation. So how do you pray in desperate times? How do you pray when you feel like you are in very, very difficult situations? Well, number one, you recognize that you need His help. Verse 5, David says, But I am poor and what? Needy. Hasten to help me, O God. Some people, when they find themselves in difficult situations try to pull themselves up by the bootstraps and just fix it. Or become stoics and just try to grit their teeth and just endure it. Or they try to medicate themselves and escape from it. And you see people doing all three of those sorts of things. The the Christian response, those that know the Lord say, I need some help. And I believe that God is my helper. And so instead of... Trying to fix it myself instead of, you know, just trying to, you know, just trying to grit my teeth and and march on through it, uh, in, instead of trying to escape from it, I, I'm going to cry out to God in the midst of my desperation. Uh, we should recognize that we need His help. There again, there's something therapeutic that happens when your ears hear your mouth say, "God, I need You." something therapeutic about that. For us just to come clean and say, God, I'm weak. You're strong. I need help. You're the helper. There's something good about us saying that. So you recognize that you need His help. And then secondly, you call out to Him with honesty and urgency. Honesty and urgency. Verse 1. I love this. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. He's saying to God, hurry! <laughs> help and help me fast. Make haste. O Lord, He says it again. Make haste to... Help me. Verse 5, I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. And so David feels the desperation of his plight. And so he's calling out to God with honesty. I need help and urgency. God, hurry up. Make haste. Uh, I need you now. And he's crying out to God, which is a pattern for how you and I should uh, pray. We should call it Him, being honest about our situation and urgent about our situation, uh, crying out because we know that God ultimately has the answer. And so that's just a quick little template, uh, learning from David, as to how you and I are to pray in desperate times. But that's not where I want to spend most of our focus, because we talked about that already through our journey of the Psalms. I want to focus on how you and I should respond when God comes through. How we should respond on the other side of answered prayer. All right. David here is is asking God to do some things. And then David shows us how you respond when God delivers, how you respond when God helps, how you respond when God comes to your rescue. I want to give you uh, what, four, four, five, yeah, four thoughts, which is misleading because there are sub points, but but four thoughts about how you and I respond when God comes through. Here's the first thing. Fellowship with the Rescuer. Fellowship with the Rescuer. David says there in verse 4, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Speak of those who seek after God. Now, there's probably a a juxtaposition here, a contrast between those that seek the Lord and verse 2, where he's saying those that seek my life. So he's drawing a contrast between those who are evil and are opposed to God and opposed to God's man because they were opposed to David and those who are seeking the Lord. It's almost like David's saying, some are seeking uh, to be your enemies and some are seeking you. They're, they're, They're going after you. They're seeking fellowship with you, fellowship with the rescuer. Delivered people should desire closer fellowship with their deliverer. Delivered people should desire closer fellowship with their deliverer. Uh, you have seen stories before where someone is rescued, maybe by someone in law enforcement. And and or you know first responder, and after they get through the crisis, they they they'll have some sort of celebration, and they'll invite the person to, that rescued them, and 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 they'll pay tribute to them. Why? Because they want that that fellowship. They want to say thank you to the rescuer. And you and I, if we have been ever helped by God, if we've ever been rescued by God, we should desire closer fellowship with Him. And I'm talking here about answered prayer. Uh, God comes through and helps us in our crisis but I can tell you one big area that if you're a follower of Christ one big area that you've been rescued in and that is you've been rescued from your sin and the wrath that your sin deserves you've been saved by God's grace you've been delivered from your sin delivered from self delivered from the power of Satan and you've been delivered from a future in hell that's, that's big isn't it? So if you've been delivered from anything in this life, you should say, God, thank you for delivering me. And if you've been delivered from your sin, if you've been delivered from your sorrow and your brokenness, you've been saved through Jesus Christ, you should seek closer fellowship with your Deliverer. Or let me say it like this. If you have no... Listen, this is I'm going to say this is a strong statement, but but I think it bears saying, if you have no desire to draw closer to the Deliverer, it may mean you haven't been delivered. It's a tough statement, isn't it? But I think it's true. Because when you see God intersect a life and they understand how gracious God has been to them, you see a response. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And so we see here, fellowship with the rescuer if you've been delivered by God the response should be God I want to know you more I want to tell you thank you more I want to spend time with you I, I, don't, I don't want to just say, say thank you for the fire insurance so I don't go to hell and see you in heaven I want to I want to spend my life with you I want to walk with you and talk with you and rejoice in you and fellowship with you and focus upon you and so the first response of rescued people is, Fellowship or desired fellowship with the Rescuer. Number two, we should live out joy in the Rescuer. Joy in the Rescuer. Look in verse 4. May all who seek you... Now look at this next phrase. Rejoice and be glad in you. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Rescued people should understand that the Lord is the only source of true unending joy. And rescued people should pursue that joy. In other words, saying, hey, may all who seek you, everyone who knows you're the Deliverer, everyone that knows you're the Savior, may they find their joy, may they find their contentment, may they find their uh, happiness in you, who is the source of true unending joy. And so let me ask you a question. Do you find your joy in Jesus? Do you find your contentment in Jesus? Or are you looking somewhere else for joy, somewhere else for satisfaction, somewhere else for contentment? Now, I know that can sound kind of like a, a, um, a concept that's hard to get your mind around. How do you find your joy in Jesus? Well, I came across this blog article years ago. And it was really helpful to me. I saved it on my computer. I uh, bookmarked it. And and I've, I've been wanting to share it at some point. And this is the perfect time to share this blog. So you get to hear it tonight. You ready? Amen. All right. And this came from a guy named Mark Altrogi. And he wrote uh, ways to pursue joy in Christ. So how do you actually experience joy in your relationship with Christ? And he gives some kind of helpful guides here to, to help us to know what that looks like practically. So there's not some kind of, you know... Um, uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to get to, but it's, it's not some uh, practice that is hard to accomplish. It, it, there's practical things that can help us to pursue joy in Christ. Um, number one, praise God for the cross, for His mercy and grace in saving you. If you want to find your joy in Christ, just remember the cross. Remember what He did for you at the cross, taking your sin upon Himself. Number two, thank Him for all His spiritual benefits, forgiveness, adoption, the Word, spiritual gifts, the church... Over in Psalm 103, the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not uh, His benefits. And we want to just rehearse in our heart and our mind the benefits that come from knowing Christ, the, the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Number three, this is really practical, ask Jesus to fill you with His own joy. He quotes John 15, 11. Ask Jesus to fill you with His own joy. Number four, Thank Him for His steadfast love that never ceases. Number five, thank God for your temporal blessings. For your spouse or the blessings of being single or kids, health, sight, food, strength, home, computer, coffee. I saw a statement this morning uh, with a picture from Houston and it was a flooded shelter. People would come to the shelter and the shelter was flooded. And the, the quote was, if you woke up this morning and your feet hit dry ground, you ought to be thankful. The things we take take for granted, right? We need to thank God for those blessings in our lives. Uh, That last one there, coffee, especially coffee. We should be really grateful for coffee. I don't know what I would do without it. But anyway, number six, praise God for His attributes, His greatness, His sovereignty, His goodness, His love, His wisdom and power. Just praise Him for who He is. If you want to find your joy in Him... Just, just spend a few moments thinking about who He is and how awesome and majestic He is. Number seven, praise Jesus for being a compassionate high priest who intercedes for you. He's always on the throne interceding at the right hand of the Father on your behalf. He's our faithful high priest. Number eight... Thank Him for all the specific good He's producing in you through trials, patience, perseverance, and faith. He's, even when you go through tough times, the Bible says in James 1 that God is building something in you so you can even find joy in your sorrow. Number nine, thank God for His past faithfulness. Just look back over your life. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. And if you look back over your life, you will see with twenty twenty clarity the good hand of God on your life. As a matter of fact, I can say this and back it up biblically: God has never let you down. Now, I'm not saying you've never gone through difficult times, but I'm telling you, the Bible says in Psalm one nineteen verse sixty eight that God is good and He does good. Everything God does is good, so He's never let you down, never. He's always been faithful. And and we can see that more clearly sometimes when we look back over our lives. One of my favorite songs comes from Stephen Curtis Chapman. He says, I may not see in front of me, but I can see for miles when I look over my shoulder. And Lord, it's clear. You brought me here so faithful every step of the way. And so spend some time looking back at God's past faithfulness. Number 10, give to the kingdom where your treasure is what? There your heart is also, right? Your heart, your passion, your joy follows uh, your resources. And so give to the kingdom. And it's a reminder of what, of what uh, life is ultimately all about. Give to the poor. Help those that have needs in their lives. And you will sense the favor of the Lord upon you as you are His instrument to help those that have needs. Serve others. Put others ahead of yourself. He you mentioned Philippians 1.25. Serve people. That's one of the best ways to get your, life, your eyes off of what's going on in your life and find joy in Jesus because He's allowing you to serve others. Number 13, don't dwell on whether you are joyful or not. Try to forget yourself. That's a good one, isn't it? So how can you be more joyful? Don't think about it all the time. Don't think about you. Think about Jesus. Pretty good, isn't it? Number 14, thank the Lord. He is making you like Christ. He's always at work in you. He who began a good work in you, Philippians 1.6, will complete it. Number 15, seek God's presence in prayer, Psalm 16.11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. So spend time in His presence. Spend time praying. See God's presence in prayer. Number 16, read the Word. It produces joy. Psalm 119, 111. Jeremiah 15, 16. When we're in the Word, it produces joy in our life because God is speaking to us. And you cannot uh, spend time understanding the value of God's Word and hearing God speak to you and remain joyless if you're approaching it with the right perspective. Number... Um, 17, thank God that He will never turn away from doing good to you. Jeremiah 32, 40. Number 18, ask others to pray for God to fill you with joy. Number 19, ask the Holy Spirit to produce the fruit of joy in you. The joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness. Galatians chapter 5. And so that's the fruit of the Spirit. So as, as you surrender to the control of the Spirit every day, He will produce, Joy is not something you have to work up. The Spirit will produce joy in you. Number 19, uh, I'm sorry, number 20. Confess your sins to God and ask Him to restore the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51, David had sinned. He committed adultery and murder. God sent a prophet to confront him. He repented He got right with God. And he's praised that very interesting prayer. Lord, now that I've repented, I've asked you to cleanse my heart, create me a clean heart, O oh God. Now I ask you to restore to me the joy of my salvation. You know... Unconfessed sin can steal your joy. As a matter of fact, I believe the most miserable people are people that are saved and haven't dealt with sin in their life. Because lost people uh, sin and they're lost. That's just what lost people do, right? Saved people, we sin too, but the Holy Spirit convicts us, right? And tells us to get back on the right path. And we don't deal with that. It'll, it'll, it'll suck the joy out of your life. And so confess your sins. Number 21, memorize God's promises to give you joy and ask Him to fulfill them. And has some verses there. John 16, 24, Romans 14, 7, and some others. 22, consider others who have it much worse than you. Good advice. 23, pray for others who are suffering. 24, this is a good one. Contemplate the joys of heaven and the world to come. Uh, one of the realities of joy is this. This world's not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. We're just sojourners. And, and God wants us to keep that forward, eternal perspective as we journey through this world, understanding that this, this, these temporary things will not give us joy. Only the Lord and being with Him forever will give us ultimate joy. Joy And so, contemplate the joys of heaven and the world to come. I thought those were just some practical things to help you to pursue joy in Christ. But realize, Christ is the source of true joy. If you're looking for joy anywhere else, you will not find it, ultimately. So, uh, how do rescued people respond? They fellowship with the rescuer. They find joy in the rescuer. And number three, they experience excitement about the rescue. This is important. Excitement about the rescue. Some of you need to hear this tonight. Look what he says in verse 4. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. May those who love your salvation, may those who are excited about being rescued say, God is great. Let me ask you a question. Do you love your salvation? Or have you gotten over being saved? Psalm 107 verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In other words, redeemed folks ought to open up their mouth and be excited about being redeemed, right? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so have you... Lost the wonder of your salvation. I don't know if you've ever been around people before in your life and and, and they, they've just never gotten over being saved. I mean they just can't get over the fact they're saved. they just keep talking about it and uh, and, and people like that are are like magnets they' just there's something so attractive in the fact that they are just they, they, they love their salvation they're just excited that they're saved. they have not gotten over it. The grace is still amazing to them, right and so. Have you lost the wonder of your salvation? You say, well, maybe. Well, How do I recapture that wonder? How do I recapture that joy? Let me give you four things very quickly. Number one, remember your life before you met Christ. Remember your life before you met Christ. If if you're not excited about salvation, it's probably because you've forgotten what a scoundrel you are apart from Christ. (laughs) Right? I mean... Were it not for Christ, where would we be? Starting with the one speaking to you. Where would, I mean, where would we be without Christ and His intersecting our lives? And, and if you've got over being saved, maybe it's because you've forgotten just how depraved you are apart from Christ. The Bible, Bible paints a really bleak picture. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord has laid upon His Son the iniquity of us all. The Bible says that our sin separates, Isaiah 59 2. Our sin separates between us and God. It, it, our sin separates us from, from a holy God where we cannot be in His presence and know Him because our sin separates us from Him. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. I mean, the Bible paints a bleak picture. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, right? By nature, the Bible says, Ephesians 2. By nature, children of wrath. So, apart from Christ, we are a mess. Right? We're a mess. And we need to remember our life before we met Christ because we really needed a Savior. Number two, remember how Jesus intersected your life. Remember when you were saved. Remember that moment when you met Christ. I mean, you're rehearsing here your testimony. How... Jesus intersected you with the gospel, how you heard the gospel, how you sensed God drawing you to Himself, how you responded and when you responded to the gospel. We should remember how Jesus intersected your life. I mean, I can guarantee you, if we just started going around the room tonight and folks started standing up and just sharing their story, it wouldn't be long before we'd all be in tears just hearing the different ways, the varied ways, that God has intersected the lives of people right here in this room. Unexpected ways... uh, Uh, merciful ways, um, supernatural ways, powerful ways, uh, God has moved in our lives, and we should remember how Jesus intersected our lives. I mean, you ought to be grateful that you you heard the gospel, that someone cared enough for for you to share the gospel, right? You should be grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful I grew up in a church where the preacher preached the gospel. And when I was nine years old, he came to my house, and he opened the Bible, sat down with me at the dining room table, and shared with me the gospel. I mean, I had to hear the gospel to get saved. By the way, anyone that's ever been saved, that's ever been saved had to hear the gospel first. No one's ever been saved apart from the gospel. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. So you should be grateful if you've heard the gospel and, and grateful that, that the Lord drew you to Himself. You know, the Bible says in John 6, 44, Jesus speaking, no one, Jesus says, can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. In other words, you would never respond to the gospel if God didn't do a drawing work in your life first. That's what Jesus said. He had to draw you first. And and I don't know why, well, I do know why, but at nine years of age, I just began to ask spiritual questions out of nowhere. Why? God was drawing me. God was convicting me, showing me I was a sinner in need of a Savior, uh, opening my eyes to the realities of the gospel. And so you had to hear the gospel. You you had to be drawn, and and you ought to be grateful for what God did, His intersection of your life to save you. So remember how Jesus intersected your life. Number three, reflect on the difference Jesus has made. Let me say it like this. And I think you could all resonate with this statement. Um, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. I've still got a lot of room for growth. How about you? But I can tell you, God's done something in my life. Jesus has made a difference. He's, 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 He's continually changing me molding me, shaping me, refining me, helping me, encouraging me, constantly. He never leaves us alone. The old song, He's still working on me, right? He's always working on us. And if you're a Christ follower, He's working on you. And, and, and He makes a difference in our life, right? He makes a difference in our day-to-day living. And so reflect on the difference Jesus Christ has made, And then here's the final thing to just recapture your excitement about the rescue. Realize it's all grace. All that the Lord has done for us through His Son Jesus Christ is completely undeserved. We're not saved because we're good and figure some things out. We're saved because a gracious, merciful God intersected the lives of ruined sinners and showed us we needed to be saved. And we heard the gospel and learned how to be saved. Amen? It's all grace. We don't deserve it. None of us. If we got what we deserve, we deserve hell. Now, one of the uh, arguments against the existence of God, you'll hear this quite a bit um, if if you listen to folks in... in, in, uh, academia or maybe even in entertainment, um, you'll hear people say, well, um, there, there's, so much, there's so much suffering in the world. Um, how could God be omnipotent, all-powerful, um, and loving and allow that kind of suffering in the world? You ever heard that argument against God? So in other words, I don't believe God's all-powerful and all-loving. If He was, this this suffering wouldn't happen. And what someone's saying, like what somebody's saying, is this: If God were all powerful, um, then He would instantly eradicate evil. To which I ask this question: Are you sure that's what you want? That a holy God, the minute evil happens, He eradicates it. Because if He did that, I wouldn't be here speaking to into you today, right? Do we really, is that what we're asking for? God instantly eradicate all evil? (laughs) No, that's not what we want. We don't want want Him to uh, instantly judge us. We want salvation from the judgment we deserve. And that's only found through Christ. And so realize it's all grace. It's all grace. Uh, It's undeserved favor. It's nothing that we deserve. It's all grace. And, and, um, You know, one reason we know that is because before you were ever born, Jesus had already died on the cross for your sins. So we know you didn't deserve it, right? You weren't even born yet. (laughs) But He died for you because He loves you. And so, uh, excitement about the rescue. Have you lost the wonder of your salvation? He says there in Psalm 70, uh, May those who love your salvation. Do you love your salvation? Are you excited about being saved? Which leads to the last thing. How should we respond to the rescuer? Fellowship with the rescuer, joy in the rescuer, excitement about the rescue, but fourth and last, we should exalt the rescuer. We should be exalting the rescuer. Look with me in verse 4. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is what? God is great. God, the only hope for humanity, is worthy of our praise. And he says, there, listen, if you are excited about being rescued, if you're excited about being delivered, if, if you're excited about His salvation, you should say evermore, God is great. Now we see two things about praise here. Number one, praise should be passionate. Say evermore, God is great. And uh, the um, ESV Editors, the version of the Bible I use, they dropped an exclamation point in there, and I think that's probably a good place for an exclamation point. Uh, David here is not saying, may all who love your salvation say, God is great. That's not the, that's not the feel of the psalm at all, is it? May all who love your salvation say, God is great. And we know David was a passionate dude because remember when the Ark of the Covenant was brought into Jerusalem? He was dancing before the Lord. Remember that? To the degree that his wife Saul's daughter thought he was foolish and she was embarrassed by his dancing. He said, and he basically said to her, hey, get over it. Uh, I'm excited about Jesus and I don't, I'm excited about the Lord. I don't care who sees me dancing. Right? I'm unashamed to to rejoice before the Lord. I know that's not a Baptist text, but I'm just but it's in the Bible, so we need to deal with it, alright? We need, we need to deal with it. So um, praise should be passionate. It should be passionate. Um, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, the cross, the empty tomb. The Holy Spirit working in us. That deserves more than a than a polite golf clap, doesn't it? Thank you for thank you for saving me. It's I'm so glad to be saved. Thank you. It's great to be saved. Right? That's it deserves more than, a, than a, a golf clap. And you read through like, Old Testament expressions of worship when they gathered the temple and the, 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 the glory of God would come down over the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, they're like on their knees, hands up in the air, people falling flat on their faces. I mean, exuberant, awe-inspired, passionate worship of the one true God. God and our praise should be passed. I don't know what that looks like in your life or my life, and and uh, you know there's certainly uh, issues of the heart there. Um, some people are more expressive people, and and so when they're in a corporate setting or even alone with the Lord, um, they may you know they may raise their hands up, they may have more outward expressions of, of passion. Um, I've often said if you're if you pass me on the road and I'm, I'm I, look, I look weird. Probably because I'm listening to some worship music and I'm and I'm singing and having a uh, having a G- G- Jesus moment in my truck, you know. And so if I just look strange, I don't wave at you. Just 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 you know, something's going on. All right. Um, and and you know there are times when my heart overflows and I just want to respond. I want to lift hands. I want to just praise him. I want to clap my hands. I, you know I get excited. I want to shout. Um, my brother is the exact opposite. He is an introvert. Uh, he um, he, he, um, he, when he goes to church, he dreads the part of the service. They say, hey, shake your neighbor's hand. Uh, he, he hates it. He knows it's coming. And, uh, and, and he doesn't like it. He's just, he's just an introvert. Great guy. Great personality. We're close. Uh, love my brother to death. But he's, he's an introvert. He, he just, you know, he, he's, he's more reserved. And so, you, you, I don't think you will. If you do, let me know. But I don't think you will ever see my brother in a corporate setting, lift his hand up and worship or anything like that. But I'm telling you, his heart is is in love with Jesus. He's a a God-fearing man. He really is. He loves the Lord. And and so you you might see me and Jeff right there beside each other in a church service, and we may look totally different, but our hearts are both in love with Jesus. We're both passionately praising Him. So here's what I'm saying. Passion in your life may look, look different than passion in my life. All right, and you and I need to give each other the freedom to, to, to exemplify whatever kind of whatever our passion looks like. Right? We need to have freedom in that. And so, if someone beside you is raising hands, you don't need to be looking at them and say, "What's wrong with them?" Just let them be passionate. All right, you be passionate your way, and we need to have that freedom in worship. And I think we have that here at our church. I I, I don't hear comments about stuff like that, and and. Uh, uh, but, but I sense people are exuberantly worshiping the Lord in our corporate gatherings, and, and, and that's awesome. But, but ask yourself the question, am I just going through the motions, or am I passionate about my worship? Am, 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 I, am I exalting the rescuer? I'll just check in the box. Yeah, I went to church today. I put in my hour. <laughs> I've heard people say, I put in my hour today. But am, am, am I here to exalt the rescuer? God is great! That's what he says. Also, praise should be perpetual. Do you notice what he said there in verse 4? May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. In other words, praise should characterize our lives in the here and now until we get to heaven. Because I can tell you, in heaven, you know what's going to be happening? Praise. And if you don't like praise, you're going to hate heaven. Because... Praise is is all. Heaven is centered around the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. The Lion and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and 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 we will be praising Him. Now I don't, I don't think that means we're gonna be floating on clouds playing harps, you know, all these these portrayals of heaven. Some people think heaven's boring because they think we're gonna be in a perpetual choir, right? are gonna stand in the choir and sing all the time. Um, no, there'll be different expressions of praise. Um, the new Jerusalem will have gates that are open and the nations will come and go. So we'll be enjoying the new heavens and the new earth. And the centerpiece of that will be Jerusalem. And we'll be serving Him in some way, shape, or form. The Bible says we'll be His servants. We don't know what that looks like. Uh, but, but we will be fellowshipping with the Lord, right? Fellowshiping with the, with the, the Lamb, fellowshipping with the triune God. And, and we will be in perpetual praise mode as we just recognize how good He is and how gracious He was to us. And so praise should be perpetual. If you're going to do it for all of eternity, you, you ought to do it now, right? Uh, call life uh, uh, dress rehearsal for heaven, right? Go ahead and, and, and be a, praise, uh, a praiser today. Praise should be perpetual. May they say forevermore, God is great. So, what does it look like when someone's been rescued? Fellowship with the Rescuer, joy in the Rescuer, excitement about the Rescue, and we should exalt the Rescuer for His grace in our lives. Now we're going to pray in just a moment and, uh, and, and, and close down our time here. Um, before we do that, any questions tonight that's come, that you've thought of from Psalm 70? Any questions um, that maybe you have about this psalm? See, I was certain. I said, when we, when we move from the big room in here to the smaller room, I'll get lots more questions. But it, it hasn't happened. Alvin, you got a question or you just make me feel better? Did you think up one real quick? Okay, all right, all right, all right. Tee it up for me. Tee it up for me. On number three, where it says, I lost one of these salvation, And the one that says, remember your life before you made Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, again, we should find our joy in the Lord. And uh, I think one of the ways to to motivate us to do that is to think about times, even as Christians, when we were looking for joy elsewhere. There are some in this room that were saved in vacations I was doing when they were just a little kid. Oh, good point. Yeah. Right. I don't remember that I was bad at all. Right. Sitting by a sister, yeah, wow. Uh, you, what you just said was the key phrase. People that were saved at an early age, like I was, I mean, I knew I was a sinner. God made it very clear to me I was a sinner. But you know, what we call the, the bad sins, you know, I hadn't, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't gotten to that point in my life. Um, but the point you made was folks that are saved at an early age may not realize what might have been. And I think when we think what what would my life look like if Jesus had not intersected me at early age intersected my life at early age and so that what might have been and then even as a believer, we see our our um, our, our failings, our weaknesses, and even as believers. so think about what our life would look like if Jesus wasn't working on us you know how even worse it could be so um, yeah even if people are saved at an early age and 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 forgiven, uh, born again. And, uh, and, you know, never went through a rebellious stage or a prodigal child type stage? Uh, how do you think about your life before you met Christ? Well, you were a sinner in need of a Savior before you met Christ. But um, what might have been if you hadn't met Him at an early age? So I think that's a good way to think about it. Good question. Other questions tonight? Now that Alvin starts, the floodgates are going to open. <laughs> any, other, any other questions tonight? Any other questions? Let's Oh, here we go! All right, all right. Which which blank? Gill. in the rescue the second. Rescued people should pursue that joy. Pursue that joy. Any other blanks? Anybody else miss some blanks? The one before that. The one before that. Source. Source of true unending joy. Anybody else? We got it. All right. Good deal. Well, let's, uh, let's pray together tonight, and uh, we'll be uh, dismissed. I would say to you tonight, if you're here, and before I pray, if you're here and you say, wait, I've never experienced salvation. Um, I don't have that testimony that, you know, when I met Christ and how I met Christ and the joy of being saved, I, I, don't, I don't know any of that. That's not experienced in my life. If that's the case with you tonight, as um, soon as we're through, just, just grab me. Uh, and, uh, and we would love to chat with you a little bit more um, about that um, and just, you know, talk about where you are and share the good news with you and, and let you know that uh, Frank's back there. Frank, raise your hand up for us. There's Frank, our associate pastor. He's in here. Um, and so you can grab me or Frank, and we'd love to talk to you some more about that. And here's the, here's the great thing about grace. If you walked in this room far from God, you don't have to leave this room like that. He loves you. Jesus died for you. He rose from the grave. He's defeated sin and death. And if you'll embrace Him as your Lord and Savior, even tonight, then He will he will save you, be born again. And, uh, and that's good. So He loves you. And so if you don't have that nailed down, come talk to me. Come talk to Frank. Uh, we'd love to, to share with you a little bit more about that. Um, because uh, His salvation is indeed great. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father in Heaven, we love You and we thank You for the way You love us. And Lord, we are grateful for Psalm 70, the truth's here. And Lord, I pray that You would just help us by Your grace, by the power of Your Spirit working in us. I pray that You would help us to act like rescued people. Lord, not folks that have it all figured out or have all the answers, but folks that have experienced the amazing grace of God and just can't get over it. Lord, Lord, uh, Help us to just realize how incredible it is that the God of the universe has reached down and rescued sinners like me. We are grateful tonight for that. And God, I pray that we would, we who love Your salvation would say evermore, God is great. And we'll thank You and praise You for that grace. We love You today, and we lift up this prayer to You in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of things before we close tonight. Uh, number one, uh, you don't want to miss this. I know it's Labor Day weekend, so we have people traveling. Um, but uh, if you're going to be in town, you don't want to miss Sunday. We are commissioning Mercy Hill Church, the church we are planting in uh, Olive Branch, East DeSoto County. And so core group's been formed. We've got a lot of folks from our church that are going to go with that new church with uh, Lawson, the pastor's wife, Beth. And so we will be praying over them Sunday morning and sending them out. Uh, Some of you in this room were a part of the core group of Longview Point Baptist Church. Um, And uh, if you remember, we had a commissioning service at Longview Heights. Y'all remember that? And uh, they gathered us together at that church and and prayed over us and sent us out to start the new church down here in Hernando. And so that's awesome. So this coming Sunday is, uh, we're calling it Mercy Hill Sunday. We're going to commission Mercy Hill, send them out. Because they'll start the next Sunday with uh, weekly services. Also, that next Sunday, the Sunday after Labor Day, whatever that is, September whatever. Uh, what is it? What day is it? September 10th. September 10th is our, Longview Point's, 15-year anniversary. How cool is that? 15 years old, yeah. And so uh, we're, we'll celebrate that, that Sunday morning and, and just be uh, grateful for God's grace to our church. And so... Uh, two, two big weekends coming up, so we're excited about that. And that's not even mentioned in the football game Saturday night. Um, go Knowles. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and uh, close down. Hey, we love you. Uh, may the Lord richly bless you. I will say this. If you have kids in preschool children's area, if you give them about 10 minutes, don't go right up there. They're finishing their programming. It's disruptive when people come at different times. So if you could give them about 10 minutes, drink a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, um, that would really help us out. Uh, so... Sounds good? God bless you. We're dismissed.